This is the Views from the Booth podcast, your reference guide into the world of sports broadcasting. Here's your hosts, J.J. Duke and Joe Vasile. Welcome back to Views from the Booth. Hope everyone is doing well out there. J.J. and Joe here with you. Uh, thanks again for continuing your support of this podcast. As last week, we did actually step away a little bit from our usual conversation track to discuss what's been happening over the last few months for us broadcasters due to the fact that there's no sports or very few sports due to the coronavirus pandemic, um, dealing with the emotions and trying times as well as ways that you can better yourself um, for those broadcasters coming up over the next few months that might not be having a lot of work outside of a few high school and college sports here and there. Um, we appreciate the feedback uh, from that episode as well. I had a few people reach out to me after that one is they could definitely kind of feel what we are feeling and knowing that, yeah, you know, it's been difficult these last few months, but we know we're with you and we're going to get through this together. Uh, but now this week we're going to be getting back after, and we're going to continue our trek into the business world of broadcasting back in the money show, uh, which if you've missed it, make sure to head back into the archives to give us a listen. And also, by the way, if you haven't subscribed to us, you might want to do so as well by uh, checking out views from the booth on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, we discussed about treating your broadcasting work as a business. And in order to do that, you need to be the CEO or COO, whatever provides you the best outlook of your brand. And being able to do that means, in fact, you can grow your portfolio, grow who you work for and with, and ultimately making enough money to not only treating broadcasting sports as a job, but investing back into yourself to further your brand and development. And Joe, I know not only have we talked about this in previous episodes, but kind of how we've modeled ourselves um, up to this point in our career, it is important to do that. And it's not just the fact that we're saying that we treat our broadcasting work as a business, but actually going out and doing this, investing not only our money, but our time to make sure that everything is ticking. So we've gotten to the point where we are now. Yeah. And it's, it's very important. Like you said, like we had kind of touched on, I guess in a lot more detail in the money show uh, about a lot of that, I think it was what the third episode, fourth episode, something like that. Um, but in terms of, of thinking of yourself, yes, as obviously yourself, but in terms of the business side of things as a multimedia company, um, where for me, um, you know, I don't want to speak for anyone listening, but for me, the play-by-play -play is only one facet of that. Um, social media is another facet of that. Um, I do some writing for a Mets blog. That's another facet of that. We have this podcast. This is a facet of that. So there's outside of just the play-by-play -play world, there are all these other different things that are related and they all make up Joe Vasile. Um, the professional, I should say. They don't make up Joe Vasile, the, the person, the human being. Hopefully that is interjected into Joe Vasile, the professional, a little bit. But, um, you know, that makes up who I am as a business. And so when you take all those different things seriously and approach them all in the same way, even if it's not something that's your your core business, which play by play for me, um, you know, you still need to treat everything else as it is important because it all relates back and it's all part of one cohesive uh, image that you want to be putting out for yourself. Um, synergy is kind of the, a buzzword in the business world to, to kind of talk about all different 
tentacles of a business working in concert together uh, with a common goal and a common message. Uh, and that's really the way that you have to be um, with all your things. And, and hopefully that's all a genuine thing that's true to yourself. Um, and it's not, you know, some kind of phony, this is what I think a broadcaster should be. Uh, I don't think you ever want to do that. But um, just finding what your voice is uh, and then rolling with that and being consistent with that in everything that you do, I, I think is the best way to build whatever your brand is. Um, if it's funny, if it's insightful, if you like trivia, lean into that um, and just be that guy or that girl or that whatever you identify as. Like just do whatever it is that you feel like um, captures who you are and what makes you unique as a person and, and kind of make that your brand and keep that consistent in everything you do. Certainly, we've talked a lot over the last uh, month or so about having that unique voice and what you do, your persona on air, your persona on social media, your just persona in general uh, is always going to be unique uh, to any other person, regardless if they're a broadcaster or not. Just how you go about your business is going to be different than everybody else. And you brought up something that uh, I actually took a little time in researching prior today, talking about a brand. And it's funny enough that when you type in on Google, what is the definition of a brand outside of the actual verb to brand something, there is not really a definitive answer uh, in a business brand, which I felt is kind of a odd thing, but a real, real point that it's like, you can really make what your brand is exactly what you want it to be. Now we're talking about unique stylings and how we go about our business on the air. That all really is kind of the main focus point about it. And then there's all these different things as Joe was saying, those kind of tentacles, if you will, to bring it and harness it all together. And um, when I was finishing up that little bit of research, I was thinking to myself, okay, so at the end of the day, if we're talking about a brand and how you want it to go, if you want it to be successful, if you want to avoid having it go down a negative role and ultimately become obsolete, it's about the time and the effort that you put into it. And that's really kind of the, the main focus that we have of today's show is how much of yourself that you put into it, you add those elements again all together, that is where your brand is going to go down the road as opposed to putting in minimalistic effort. People will then see that, see how you are as a business person. That almost does kind of translate weirdly enough into your broadcasting side as well, because if you don't have that much effort off the air. Now, granted, there are a few people out there that they were just put on this planet to call sports for a living. And sometimes there is just pure natural talent out there. And we're not going to take it away from those people. But for the vast majority of the rest of us, we have to work very, very hard to get to where we want to be. And if you're not putting in that effort, all of a sudden, your work just really declines while other people are going up. Yeah. And I mean, look, nothing comes easy. Even the people who have a lot of talent, still need to put in the work. Like, uh, I mean, there's that old saying that's been attributed to a thousand different people, hard work beats talent that doesn't work hard. Um, part of that, yes. Part of that, no. Um, you know, there's just a, a certain amount of um, natural uh, ability that some people just have that can make up for maybe a lack of a work ethic. But in 99% of cases, even people with great natural ability have to work very hard to 
get to the levels that they ultimately can go and reach their full potential. Um, and a lot of that comes from, yeah, just developing yourself professionally um, through a wide variety of means. Now, we talked about the fact that where you can be the CEO of your own brand. When we look at Joe's career and my career, how we've gotten to where we are over the last few years leading up to this, the beauty of it is when you're the leader of your own brand, you get to call your own shots. I mean, it is kind of a unique, powerful position when you operate a company or yourself in this situation, you ultimately have the last and final say on going into anything. We talked about very early on in our scheduling, uh, how we decipher which games that we want, which games that are gonna not only help us financially, but also put us in the best possible position to get our voice, our ethic out there so people know who we are. And ultimately, if we do job the job well, we'll go the next step up especially the, you know, the dream that we're trying to catch is all get to the top of whatever business that we're in. But for us is to get to the top in the broadcasting world. So that's something that you have to, in addition to the things that we we're talking about earlier, keep an eye and an ear out for is the fact that when you're the head of your own brand, you, you're like the captain of a ship. In essence, you're the one that's driving it. Okay, again, this is me not being a sailor, so I can't really talk too much on that front, but you're the one that's guiding in the right directions. You have to navigate uh, troubled waters. You have to navigate things that are around you, elements that might change your course a little bit, but um, as long as you're sailing smoothly in the direction you want to be, making the right decisions that are going to help your own career, that's going to go such a long way to make your journey be very easy. Or you could, of course, hit an iceberg or a big rock, and then you're going to sink. That's about as much sailing uh, stories as I have for you all. But um, when we talk about the brand and the ways that we want to go about it, I think the big one to start off, Joe, is the first thing that people are going to search for you when they go online, and that's going to be your website. I trouble to think anybody out there right now as a broadcaster that does not have a website at the moment that has your demos, has a little bit about you, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that gets perfected overnight. So I'm curious how you got yours started and what things that you've had to adjust over the years to make it to where, again, it's not a final product at this point, but where you want to have it right now. Um, the, I guess the first website I had was all the way back in college when I was still a college student. Uh, I threw some stuff together. It was just a portfolio website. Um, and it looked terrible. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just used a template and it was, you know, 2012. So it looked like it was fresh out of 2012. Um, you know, very dated now. Uh, and I threw a few clips up, a little about me, a resume section, and uh, that was kind of it. And, it. and it's evolved. It still has those same basic elements now. Um, landing page, a little about me, resume, radio clips, TV clips, um, you know, now that I'm dipping my toes in the podcasting world, some information on those things that are separate from the play-by-play -play, uh, so that people can go and find them there in the website and then it'll, you know, shoot you over to, uh, you know, the podcast websites and things like that. Um, but one of the biggest things is just making sure that it looks, at least for me, very clean, very simple um, and professional. I mean, 
I'm going to date myself here and say like, you don't want it to look like it was made on GeoCities in 1998. Uh, you know, you want it to look pretty good. And there's a thousand different services that'll put together a website with a template and you just plug in information. I use Wix. I know a lot of people use Squarespace or one of the thousand other uh, places that'll build you a website either for free or um, for a very inexpensive price. Um, I have a, a paid account because I have a URL, jovaseal.com, that links to it. If I didn't want to pay money to register all of that, you know, it would be jovaseal.wix.com, which I know a lot of people just have it that way. I feel like having the custom URL gives a little bit uh, more professional. And I see that as an investment back in my career of, okay, this is, this gives it a little bit more of a legit feeling and a little bit more weight when I can send out jovaseal.com as opposed to, you know, something dot squarespace dot whatever slash, you know. Um, so that, that for me is, is kind of how I started and, and how it's evolved. Um, but it's all got the same basic elements. Few pictures, very clean, uh, get the information that you need quickly. Always making sure I have my most up-to-date demos on there so that if someone stumbles across it, they click through on, you know, my Twitter page or my Instagram or something like that, you know, they can listen to my stuff and it's the best representation of what I'm putting out there right now and what I want to be out there. And it's not something from four or five years ago that, you know, I've just let be out of date. Yeah. Um, making it look professional, that is something that's a common theme of this. And we're going to get into more about uh, what you can do to invest in your career because not only are you just building your platform and building a brand right now, but a lot of it comes back into investing um, into your platform. And you talk about the fact that you have the free website templates. I use that for a long time myself. I also started my website back in college because it was part of my freshman intro communications class where we had to design a quick portfolio, put all of our projects on it. And I was like, you know what? I like this. I'm going to keep it. Didn't know at the time really what I wanted to use it for, but obviously now that's grown. And yeah, I think maybe two years, maybe even less than that into my professional career, uh, I just felt that having a .weebly.com just didn't sound right. No knock on Weebly, of course, love what they uh, do. And that's where I have my website server, but I needed to have jovaseal.com jjduke.com because it's just a lot easier to promote um back in the day when i used to have business cards where i would have my information that's the website's right there as opposed to having a clunky thing or having it attached to your twitter account facebook instagram linkedin um you don't want to have like this big url because that says sure okay yeah you want to be cost effective but at the same time you're not taking the energy to take that next step and separate yourself uh, from the pack a little bit. And I will say this because we haven't mentioned it, but if you are someone who maybe is less tech savvy or you're a little hesitant to build your own website, I mean, one, you can work with a designer uh, who will be, I'm sure you could find a reasonably priced one. I've never looked into it, so I don't know what they run for or where a good place to get one is, but I'm sure you could do some research and find it. But also, uh, if anyone is an STAA member, John and the team there will put together with, you know, a talent page for you, which has all this stuff there for you. It's very basic. It's one page in a larger website. And for me, I don't feel that that's the best way to tell my story as a broadcaster. Um, but for 
other people, that might suffice. So if you think that that's the best for you or that makes the most sense for you at the time, there's there's nothing wrong with doing that. Don't Don't feel like I would say you necessarily need to have your own website if it feels like something that's daunting to you. But having an online presence and a page where you can send someone that isn't, you know, your social media accounts, that is that professional thing, whether it is your own website, whether it's your talent page on STAA, uh, that's an important thing to have. And, and I do want to say that as well. Um, again, for me personally, it's not what I need just because I like the functionality of being able to put in different things, change things out a lot easier um, and more frequently and to have, links to some non-broadcasting things uh, in there. So the usability of the SDA page is not there for me, but several years ago it, it was, and, and that did make more sense uh, for me at the time. So uh, there may be a lot of people out there listening who that makes more sense for you right now. So don't feel like um, if you have that, that that's not sufficient because it certainly can be if that fits your needs. And also just to add on to that, not a lot of us always have that creative eye as well. If you really want a nice looking website, I'm not the greatest graphic designer in the world. So if I really wanted that, like, you know, eye catching site that like, I don't know, difficult to explain off the top of my head, but you guys get what I mean. So that's where you do spend a little bit of time and research and seeing who can put together a quality website at a competitive price and can turn it around in the time that you want it. That's again, where you use your investments to go on and do so. So all those things together, that's where you get your start because again, that's where your, your business begins is your website. And also one thing I did kind of learn in the process as well. And something I'm always checking on, not just your laptop, but check your phone as well. See how your website's laid out there because sometimes it might look good, on your computer, but it might not look great on your phone as well. So those are things to keep going on for me. It was, I was seeing like, you know, different parts of my bio is like copied one place. And then on the other half of the, my phone, here it is on the other. I was like, okay, well, that's kind of a problem. So you have to go and rectify that. But um, you also talk, you talked at the beginning, Joe, about how your voice on social can uh, be a bit of a player as well, whether you're kind of the stats person, you're a little bit of the sly sarcastic person, whether you just go out and say really whatever you want. I think the voice on social media, we've talked about this in the past as well, but that's another element to your business that people can not to say make or break you, but they can know a lot about you before they actually meet you. And ultimately it is something that can hang over your head in your career. Yeah. And uh... I'll say a couple of things on this subject. One was several years ago when, when I was working for the Fayetteville Swamp Dogs as the assistant GM, I was involved in the intern hiring and interviewing process. And as we would get candidates in and myself and my general manager would, um, would look at candidates and, and think about interviewing them, he would give me the name and say, find this person on social media. And I did a decent job of finding them a lot of times. Um, I'd look them up on Facebook, although, you know, less so now, I feel like younger generation doesn't really have Facebook, um, but Twitter, Instagram, things like that, I'd, I'd look them up. And for me, if I saw you partying or whatever, I, I was not going to count that against you. Everyone has been in college or who is in a hiring position for the most part, or has, you know, been 
18 to 22 at one point in their lives. I, like, and I remember there was so much fear about you. Be careful because employers are going to see you. It's like, honestly, for me as an employer, I, I almost liked seeing that. I'm like, okay, you're a normal kid. You, you know how to have fun. All right. Um, it was almost a bigger red flag if I couldn't find you. Um, or, you know, if you posted some uh, incredibly offensive things, um, which I did find. Um, never would discount politics against someone. Um, I don't think you have to be afraid of being outspoken politically if that's something you want to do. Um, I know I do that from time to time. Um, unfortunately, as much as we've had to over the last few months, um, you know, I shied away from it for a while, but I realized, yeah, I don't really have to be afraid to, to say things. Um, and I don't think anyone really does. But, you know, as long as you're not throwing out words that will get you fired, um, I think you're in good shape as long as you are willing to stand behind whatever it is you post. Um, you know, Herm Edwards had that old thing of put your name on it. All right, well, whatever you do, you're putting your name on. So, you know, don't necessarily back down from it. Or if it was something years ago and you have changed your opinion or whatever, just don't be afraid to say, yeah, I was wrong. I changed my mind. That was not, you know, I don't think that that's necessarily a big deal. Um, so when you do that, though, make sure that it's, something you're comfortable with your name being attached to. Um, because everyone knows at this point, yes, what you say on social media is not the opinion of your employer or anyone you work with. We all know that. Um, some of us sign contracts that say that and put it in our bios because we're contractually obligated to. Um, but, you know, you do that, just be comfortable with your name being on whatever you put out because it will follow you around. So try and make it be something that you're proud of and not something that you're going to have to explain or walk back at some point. I mean, it's the classic case of saying in anything on air, if you don't feel comfortable or you're having second guesses, you just don't tweet it. You don't say it on the air. You just get on with it. Um, but no, those are all really valid points. And I actually, I appreciate having that viewpoint of a hiring manager looking at someone says yeah you know what? I don't mind seeing humans being humans at the end of the yeah. day uh, because it is true I mean for me personally I I actually took this tip from someone a couple of years ago when you get on Facebook those uh you know look back at what you posted on this day five years ago I do actually look back and see like okay am I still cool with this being up because some things might just be on Facebook and sorry to Facebook when they had like JJ Duke is that, 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 and then you tweet it's like okay I really don't need that here anymore that stuff goes but yeah no it, it is a valid point where you have to have a little side of just regular old person you're not working all the time despite the fact if you want to be the utmost professional at all times okay you know you have the right to do that but for everyone else it's okay to have a little fun here and there. Um, yeah. But but at the end of the day, you, you are right, though, in saying that still you just have to tread lightly if you don't feel confident saying, about, saying something. But if you are confident, let it fly, my friend. Let it fly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and 
yeah, you look back on on things and you're like, oh boy, I was a stupid 17 year old. Let me get rid of that post. But uh, but yeah, for the most part, um, like I said, I I would always look. Are you a normal person? If I couldn't find you, that was almost a red flag because it was either you're weird uh, and like out of the norm of society, um, or you are intentionally making it really really hard, which makes me, makes me think that you're hiding something bad. Um, sure which maybe you're not, but now that's going to be my preconceived notion of why don't you want me to find you? Um, like what is, what is so secretive that, um, that you don't want people seeing, um, you know, which again is a much more minor red flag, but, uh, and I might be in the complete minority in that, like there might be other people who don't feel that way at all, but, um, I don't think there's a problem in letting your guard down. Uh, that'll help you connect more with your audience. They see you as more of a person and less of a broadcasting machine. Um, you know, just, you know, don't, don't be afraid to be the butt of the joke. Uh, don't always feel like you have to be working on social media all the time. Um, just have fun. Hey, if, if you love Slam Diego, then you talk <laughs> about Slam Diego. By the way, I do have to throw this in there. Shout out to Jay Cronenworth. I called your games as a rookie and you're part of that team. You got number five. I'm all about that. Um, but so, yeah, if you want to talk about that, go ahead and talk about it. Um, now we're going to get to the part of the show that I've teased a little bit here. And I know this is something that when we were kind of tossing back and forth some ideas and topics to have on this podcast, investing back into your career is massive. Now, um, for a lot of us in broadcasting, we're, when you're starting out, when you're going through the year-to-year -year grind of things, it is an accepted fact that not only are you not going to make a lot of money doing this, but if you do make enough money, you're going to mostly be putting that back into paying off your monthly bills, getting food, stuff like that. We're in the same grind. So we know exactly where you are, but there's a beautiful thing called a savings and where you can go ahead and throw some money in there. And this is where if you feel like you've made enough inroads in your career, could take a couple of years to do so. Um, and you think, okay, I'm in this for the long haul right now. Now, what do I do? And this is the part of the show where we're going to tell you. So it's good to take time and invest back into your business. Now, we already talked about buying your domain name for your website. That's an important tool and it doesn't come free. You do have to take the time to pay the yearly fee or the every other year fee, whatever that works. Um, but it's also the look. It's also what you do outside of things, um, but still in the broadcasting side, that's going to help you, but you have to spend some money. Now, before we get any further, if you're wondering to yourself, well, how can I make this all work? Go back to our money show where the last 10 minutes, Joe spent a great tutorial on talking about how you can write, have everything written off as a tax write-off. That is very important. We're not going to spend, you know, rehash that unless you feel the need at some point to just remind people, but go back and listen to that because it's very helpful to kind of make things work because yes, you start looking at things like buying audio equipment. Maybe you want to get a new suit. Those are not cheap. Mm -hmm. That is, that could, you know, you could spend a lot of money, but if you're using that for broadcasting, you can find ways to work around it. With that being said, what are some things you can invest in? Um, and Joe, we were talking about this off air a couple of weeks ago when you had that beautiful new Sennheiser headset uh, get shipped to your house. Audio equipment, because 
we're doing a lot of work at home and you can save yourself a little bit of time if you want to knock down show opens or VO stuff that could be used for commercials as opposed to going somewhere. You can just do it from your house and ship it out. Yeah. Um, on the equipment side of things, I think that that the headset was definitely, um, it, it was something I've been on the fence about for a little while. And I think the pandemic kind of pushed me over the, the edge with that one, just because you know what, when sports do return, even though, yeah, you're, you don't really get it off the surfaces or whatever. I'd rather not be sharing too much equipment. I'll just, you know what, I'll bring my own. Um, so that that's kind of the idea there. And then also, you know, doing this and, and working on a couple of other audio projects uh, at the moment, I wanted to make sure that, you know, for this show that I'm, this other one that I'm doing, I have good audio quality for the narrations I'm going to do. So it was kind of a dual investment. It was part for that, and it was part for the for the play-by-play. Um, you know, let me get a good microphone that's going to sound good, um, and then I'll be able to use for years and years as long as I you know take care of it. Um, so that was that was kind of the important thing there. And and I would urge you know anyone who is thinking about doing a podcast or um, something along those lines, invest in the audio. I, I mean that is. Um, really a good way to help set yourself apart from every other jabroni with a podcast. Uh, you know, make it sound good uh, rather than, well, I got my iPhone out and I plopped it down on a table and three of us sat around debating sports or movies or The Bachelor or whatever it is you're doing a show on. Um, you know, that just that little bit will help you. You don't have to drop a thousand dollars on a fancy podcasting mic, but a couple hundred on something uh, will go a long way toward helping things sound a lot better. Um, you know, in recent years, I've bought a a nice uh, Zoom recorder, which I'm holding up for the camera, even though this is an audio podcast, um, and a kind of a windscreen for it. Those are more significant investments, but now I do interviews with that, and the audio quality is so much better than anything else. And so, you know, having that sound good, something that was very important to me. Um, you know, and, I, and that's been a really great tool uh, in broadcasting and, and just generally. Uh, so I think that for those things, um, you know, if you're on the fence and you can afford it, uh, I think you should take a look at your finances and this goes back to the, to the tax thing, you know, do I need a tax deduction this year? Yes, I do. I'll buy a headset and I'll use that. Um, literally, that was my thought process was, eh, you know what? That That's why I pulled the trigger was because I need the, the tax deduction. I've been thinking about it anyway. I'm going to use it. Let me go ahead and do it. Um, you know, and same thing with the website, same thing with just some other things of wanting to do little extras, buying a, a mic that can plug into your phone so you can record little impromptu cell phone videos if you want to, or investing in a ring light, something that's small and portable that you can take with you to venues and record things from inside the booth if you want to, little previews to put out on social media. I started doing that a lot this winter uh, during basketball season. You know, didn't cost a lot, but it was a little something that made something look good. Um, and was a little bit of an extra, uh, thing, but it, it was, it was a good investment, I think. 
So, you know, there's, there's little ways to be creative. And if you have to spend a little bit of money to, to do it, um, don't be afraid to go ahead and, and do that. Definitely. Um, and you talked about it perfectly where like, if you need to spend a little more to make it look professional, then don't have second thoughts about it. Because if you go the extra mile on anything, that's always going to give you just that little bit of an edge and just, you know, it again, shows prospective new clients that you're willing to take those steps to go above and beyond. And um, for those who are also thinking like what other equipment that you can use, Joe's talking about those podcast he- or, uh, microphones and headsets. Well, if you happen to run across an audio board as well, I personally have one from back when I was working in college radio, but we we're phasing some equipment out still in very good shape. That was at a time where I was doing some VOs for um, to send out for radio stations around the world because I had a friend that uh, did some writing for it. So we kind of just tag team on that. I was like, hey, I'll lay down tracks for you. And this was before you know technology improves so i have a little uh, two-track audio setup that i can just plug into my laptop you can go so it's just it's the extra things that are going to help you and times like these again hate to say them but you might be doing a lot more home studio stuff or guess what if you might have a chance to call games at home you might be able to tell people yeah only send this and this because i've got everything else and i could take care of it for you that saves them a little bit of expenses and therefore means that your investment was valuable in the long run that's another thing too we're talking short-term long-term gains and these are things that as you said if you buy something now take care of it it can last you good 15 or 10 15 years down the road yeah and the other part of this that i'll say is there's if you are looking to you know show up to a game that you're not being paid to call um and just like you've talked to whoever their media relations person is and just like hey do you have any extra space on press row or in the press box where you can just set up and and get some tape having your own equipment is the best way to do that now you can you know show up to a baseball game just with a handheld recorder and do a whole game like that but I got to tell you, you know, what's really tiring holding a recorder in your hand or just having it down on a table. You're not going to get the same audio, you know, holding it in your hand and calling three hours worth of a baseball game. So if you have your own equipment, you can do that so much easier. Uh, And then it makes uh, being able to drop in on a basketball game that you wouldn't be calling, but it's going to have some really good crowd noise. And so you can get some good demo tape or uh, a, a minor league baseball game where they have an open spot in the press box and you want to get some baseball tape. Um, you know, it, it's a very good way to do that too. Uh, if you have access to your own equipment. Definitely. Um, what other things can we invest into? Well, I mentioned briefly, um, your look, how you go about calling games and what you're wearing showing up. Now I'll be the first to say, if you give me the option to wear khaki pants and a golf polo shirt with a logo on it of your school or team or whatever, I'm signing up for that 10 out of 10. But if you have to look the part, then look the part, go, you know, to go get yourself a couple suits. If you don't have the um, attire that you need to have, go spend some of that money. Now, granted, that might not be something you could tax right off, but holidays, birthdays, you could be like me and hoard gift cards for a couple of years. And all of a sudden, boom, you're paying for one but you're ultimately buying three new suits or something like that. And I'm not putting out an advertisement for Joseph A. Bank or whatever, where they have those uh, lovely sales all the time. But 
in addition to, okay, so the look and your equipment, personal development as well, I think is very important. I know, Joe, that was something you were mentioning um, to me when we we're talking about show topics is, you know, books, attending webinars or seminars, and whether that's about broadcasting or personal development or business, it's always good to learn, you know, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you might have a college diploma or you might have a graduate degree, but you never stop learning about things. And if you take a little bit of time and better yourself, again, it might not be something that you're going to use right away in your career, but ultimately you're going to feel good and accomplished about doing something. Yeah. Um, I guess first talking about the look thing, um, if you uh, are hesitant to drop a couple hundred dollars on a suit, um, I strongly suggest checking out your local thrift store or Goodwill or Salvation Army or whatever. I have several items in my closet that I've gotten at thrift stores. And just this winter, I got a new suit and I got a sports jacket and it cost me $20. So don't, and you know what? I have gotten more compliments on those two things than I've gotten on suits that I've spent a couple hundred dollars on. So by all means, don't think that if your budget is a, um, is a sticking point that you can't still figure out a way to make something work uh, on that, on that regard. So that, you know, there are ways to, to kind of get creative. And again, I've, I've tapped into those uh, many times over. Um, on the learning side of things, just off to my right, I whole bookshelf that is full of sports books and some bobbleheads and a couple other things, but mostly sports books. Um, I, for me, investing in that is, is a big thing. I, I'm constantly reading something to do with not just sports, but mostly sports. Uh, right now, it's a biography of Yogi Berra that just came out in the spring. Um, and, and I think a big reason for that is, is that me as a baseball person, you have so much downtime, but also of all the sports, that's the one where it's most important to know and understand the history of the game. Um, baseball's hard enough to call as it is. If you don't understand the history of baseball, it's almost impossible to call, um, I feel like, and do a good job. Um, because you never know. Random conversation, if I'm looking at the books I've got, if Ted Williams comes up, I've read a book on Ted Williams. There's a great biography. I've got 15 Ted Williams stories in my back pocket that I can take out depending on the situation um, and just say like, so read, learn, retain the information. And then you never know when that's usable in your, um, in your broadcasting. And there are other uh, important things too. I just finished the biography of Frederick Douglass, um, important character in American history. And if you don't know anything about him, I didn't know much about him before I read the book. Highly suggest uh, learning some things about him um, because fighting the same fight for 160 years, basically. Um, but having a, a broader context of your sport, of the sports world in general, um, of the world and of society in general is just going to make you um, a better broadcaster, I think, in the long, in the long term. Um, and if nothing else, you're going to come across turns of a phrase. You're going to come across different words and different ways to say things and describe things that you might not have thought of before. Um, and then you can incorporate that into your lexicon 
and be able to translate that into being a better broadcaster. If you take nothing else from anything, um, you know, it's, it's going to help you be a better speaker, a better writer, um, which is only going to help you be a better broadcaster. And at the end of the day as well, like we've said before, a lot of roles that broadcasting include is media relations amongst many other things. So think about it. You're going to help yourself in more than one way. In addition to the fact that you're going to be broadcasting, because guess what? You might have to write a game report or a game preview and somehow you get to have a fun tie in about, I don't know, for me watching Jose Miguel Fernandez hit for Doosan because you just see that he's a great bad ball hitter find someone else to translate and boom, there you go. You might have a great yeah. story out of it. So always learn, you know, never stop, never stop educating yourself, whether it's sports like me and Joe, or occasionally if you need to dive into history, actual history, not sports history, but sports history sounds pretty good as well. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, good spot to end for today because again, all about the investing in your career, massively important, building your brand so important and, just continue to find ways to better yourself as a professional. I will say one more thing here before we completely wrap up. Uh, another thing I didn't, didn't touch on there. Um, I would suggest, especially if you're someone who is um, doing college basketball, um, Ken Palm and uh, for the women's game, her hoop stats. Uh, they're both $20 a year. I subscribe to her hoop stats um, because as a women's basketball broadcaster, that's what's most relevant for me. I do a handful of men's games. The investment in Ken Palm is not something I'm dropping, but it's eventually going to be something I do. But doing that to have a better understanding of the players, the teams, the conferences, um, finding those hidden things that, you know, on a typical uh, stat sheet that you get from you know, the college athletics website are not going to show up. Some of those analytics that are becoming so much more important to every single sport, but especially basketball and, and baseball as well. Um, having an understanding of that, looking for some of those hidden things in the game, that, that's going to help you so much to be able to have access to that information. So if it's $20 for hoop stats, which for me is a bargain, um, I used that site for every single game I prepped for, for every podcast I did for Bucknell. I, I was on that site constantly looking for information and incorporated the stats um, into broadcasts, into social media posts, and, and really, um, really it became an indispensable resource for me. So if you have the opportunity, and I'm sure things like this exist for other sports as well, but if you can subscribe to a, I guess, a statistical database that's going to give you some value and is going to contribute something you couldn't get otherwise, strongly suggest doing it because that will help you understand the game better. It'll help you talk smartly about the game better. Um, it'll give you ideas to ask coaches for questions and in interviews, and players for questions and in interviews. Uh, that you might not have thought of otherwise. And, and it's just going to, again, be something that makes you a better broadcaster. And for me, the $20 for a year subscription is so unbelievably worth it for the level of value that's provided um, on those websites. So if you're a college basketball person, uh, I know Her Hoop Stats does D1, D2, and D3. I believe Ken Palm is just D1. Um, but 
highly recommended um, to look into those as investments into your basketball broadcasting career, which hopefully, fingers crossed, will resume at some point in the next few weeks. And to tack on to that as well, I didn't even think about that, but if there happen to be other databases for sports besides basketball and baseball, ask around, see what other broadcasters are using because there might, you know, you might learn something about, oh, hey, for hockey, I don't know any off the top of my head, but, um, you know, if you want to find out someone's coursey, there's probably a place to go find that out. Um, websites for different lacrosse stats or soccer stats. Um, you could probably get all that information, but you just have to, again, take the time to either do the research or just ask somebody that might be a little bit above you and just say, hey, you know, I know that there's the basic information out there, but is there any specific places that you go? More often than not, decent people will tell you exactly where they get their information from. So good plug out there. Appreciate that, Joe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like that's important. And yeah, you should never stop learning and, and looking for new sources of information, even if it's, I didn't know much about basketball analytics, to be honest. I know way more about baseball ones, but um, they're important to the game and the way that it's coached, the way that it's played. And we have responsibility as broadcasters to relay that information. I mean, one of the biggest knocks against baseball broadcasters is uh, how much like, well, you got to bump the guy over. You got to like, we're adhering to things that are, you know, were common knowledge 30 years ago. And now it's just not a reality of how the game is played and the way that the game is thought of and taught. So complaining that things aren't the way they used to be is not the way to do it. The way to do it is to figure out why they are the way that they are now, and then imparting that knowledge along to, you know, your listeners. You know why there's not sacrifice money anymore? Because it's a negative play. We know this, we have the charts, we have the numbers. Like it's not even a question that in most circumstances, it's a negative play. So don't sit around and say, well, they should have bunted. Say, oh, here's why, or here's why they shift. Um, you know, it, it's just that those kinds of things throw me up a wall because it's like, it's such accessible information and there's no excuse for not educating yourself on why certain things and certain strategies are the way they are, why they've shifted. Why are they taking so many threes in basketball? Well, it's because X, Y, Z, you know, the analytics say that's a better shot because it's worth three points and not two. So you can hit a lower percentage of them and score more points. Um, you know, never take a long two. Wish somebody would have told Kevin Garnett that back in the day, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just little things like that, that again, are going to help you be a better broadcaster overall. And, uh, and I think that putting in the effort to learn is something that coaches and players um, and big time fans are going to appreciate because they're going to be able to recognize that in you, that you care enough to go ahead and do that. Definitely. Joe, great stuff today. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you can do so in a number of different facets. You can email us uh, at viewsfromtheboothpod at gmail.com. You can find us on social at the VFP underscore pod on Twitter, at viewsfromtheboothpod underscore pod on Instagram, and Facebook, viewsfromtheboothpodcast. Joe's on social at Joe Basile PBP on Twitter and Joe Basile on Instagram. I'm at JJDuke21 on Twitter and JJ.Duke. 21 on Instagram. Joe, enjoyed this conversation. Looking forward to our next one. Absolutely.
Thanks for tuning into this episode of Views from the Booth podcast. If you want to catch up on any of our past episodes, you can find us everywhere where you get your podcasts. See you all next time.